Hello, and welcome to Returning to Us, a podcast that gives you strategies and tips for how to hack your brain, build and strengthen relationships, and to teach people how to recognize and neutralize their emotional states. I'll discuss emotional intelligence and regulation, how food and exercise impact the body and brain, and share lessons from my own lived experiences. I'm Lauren Spiegelmeyer, the founder of The Behavior Hub, which is an organization that works to reduce the stressors of raising and educating children through a brain and biology-based lens. In these episodes, I'll share stories and strategies from my own life, work, and research, answer listener questions, and wrap it up with a try-it-at-home tip. Decades worth of information in just minutes. You ready? are continuing on this wagon of how to help students, kids listen and learn. So if you tuned in to last episode, we talked about shifting emotional states or energetic states of both adults and kids to get them in a better place to listen and learn. Today, we are talking about how to keep a student attention once you get it. So let's go ahead and jump right in. Every moment, Every day, your brain, your body, their brain, their body, we are all having our brains and bodies subconsciously working to almost like appraise your current situation. Thank goodness we are not conscious to this because our nervous system needs to be, and that takes a lot of energy of our nervous system. So the more there is to appraise in the environment, the more energy it takes. Think about a classroom that has a ton of stuff in it, like tons of posters, tons of letter cards, all these things. You may not really feel it, but your body will tense and tighten up a little bit because it's the nervous system is a little bit more overwhelmed because it's got more to appraise versus if there's less space, more white space, less covered space, then your nervous system has less to appraise and it can relax a little bit. And yet students understand the emotional and learning attention parts of the brain. Students understanding. So you want students to understand the emotional and the learning and attention parts of the brain anatomy, because if they do begin to understand things like their nervous system being wild and crazy because of their environment, they gain motivation because they feel they have the power to change their circumstances or setting. They have the power to be creative or to gain intelligence or to change their chemical makeup, which, which they do. They do. So you want to teach them that. Here's a little fun fact for you. It's not so fun once I say it, but it's a little factoid. Compared to the 15th century, we now consume as much data in a single day as the average person in the 1400s would have absorbed in an entire lifetime. No wonder we are stressed out. I'm gonna say that again. In one day, we now consume as much as the average person in the 1400s consumed in their entire lifetime. Whoa, wow. Fun fact from Jim Quick. <laughs> so we now have so much access to information. And that's an amazing thing. We are learning, we are growing, we are evolving. Awesome. And also it's taking a toll on our energy systems, our time, our quality of life. So we need to not necessarily limit it, maybe in some ways limit it, but be mindful that we're balancing it out 
with some some type of or form of relaxation or mindlessness. Okay, that's your background about our body and how it's taking in information right now. So with some of these distractors getting in our way of getting the attention and keeping the attention, once we have it, we need to keep it. So let's talk about how to get it and then let's talk about how to keep it. One, when you get it, it's really good to like set up a routine or even set up like an intro and an outro to your day or your classroom because the brain likes repetition. The brain likes rhythm and routine. So if we get into the flow, it, it like puts you in the right state or puts students in the right state to be able to have their attention gotten. So what does your intro routine look like? What does your intro to your day look like? What does your outro, what does the students leaving the classroom look like? Or in the morning at home, what does it look like? In the evening at home, what's that evening routine, morning routine for your kiddos? What we call this is getting ready to learn time. So when you're doing your intro routine and you're doing your getting ready to learn time, examples of parts of this may be something like a quick review, just an open discussion or chat a quick walk around the room, you know, something like a one, two, three to get them started. I think about kids that are um, babies, infants, when you're trying to transition them to bed, it's really good to create like a one, two, three bedtime routine. So maybe it's like brush your teeth, read a story, sing a song and, and lay down. Like maybe that's the one, two, three, same thing for the older child, same thing for a classroom. It all works the same way. So let's take that information and think about, okay, we have a routine to get the attention. How do we keep it? A couple ways. Vary the demands and resources. And we do that because we want to kind of like optimize challenge. They need a little bit of stress there. They need some challenge to keep their attention. And by varying it, it keeps their brain active. We add in collaboration and community-based efforts because we're social beings. We provide feedback to whatever they're doing. We can conference with them. We can give them feedback in different ways, but providing feedback in some form because they're getting a bit of attention from us by doing that. We might customize the way that we relay information like using multimedia. And we integrate more performance-based tasks. We want them to be doing more, moving more, involved more than just sitting sitting and passively listening to us. So I challenge you to pause here, create an intro and an outro routine, whether you're home-based or you're school-based, create those routines right now. Just like a one, two, three. And then I wanna talk about if you're specifically designing instruction, there's something called universal design for learning. And it's some things to consider that we should include in our designing of learning time that will help all to get attention and keep attention. First thing in UDL, when you're trying to keep students engaged, get them engaged, keep them engaged, is make sure that you recruit interest. If something is not interesting to us, or we don't try to recruit interest if it's not interesting, then the brain doesn't really care about it because the brain is, its primary concern is safety. And then once it feels safe, it has space for other things. But if it has no biological relation to us, as a student, if there's no relevancy of it to anything in our lives, we're not really interested in it. The brain pays attention to what's relevant. So make it relevant, give authentic examples, use real life hooks, 
minimize distractions, diminish completely threats, unthreatened students, give students a voice and a choice, and consider the culture of your classroom. Is it safe enough to ask for needs to be met? Is it safe enough for students to take risks? Because you can't recruit interest very well if students are afraid to ask for help or don't have the space to take safe risks. Number two in design, sustain effort and persistence. How do we do this? We offer resources to meet the demands of the task. If it's too hard for some, what can we give them to keep them sustained? One other way to sustain effort is to collaborate with peers or maybe even work independently. Some might benefit from persistence by working in independently. Create goals and give them relevant process-oriented feedback. Feedback. And the third one is self-regulation. We need to make sure that our expectations are high, but differentiated. We need to make sure that they are consistent and that we're emphasizing them. If students know what we expect, it's a lot easier for them to meet those expectations. And those expectations may differ if we're working independently or in collaborative groups or for in this activity or this part of the day during this lesson, the expectations will change. So make sure the expectations are clear. And then create time for self-reflection and make sure that your culture values mistakes as a part of the learning process. We all learn best when we can grow from and learn from our mistakes. So now what I'm going to ask you to do is go ahead and pause and think about these three. Recruit interest, sustain effort and persistence, self-regulation. Are you using these three in your design and your teaching? And if not, how can you do so? And that's going to take us to today's listener question, which is how can we help our students deal with stressful situations? Most students are going to deal with stressful situations every single day, some regularly. You, not at all. <laughs> so the first thing I would say is it's almost unavoidable. It's part of everyday life. It's a part of our society today. We live in a stressful society with high demand and high expectations. So teach them the emotional regulation framework I created. If you don't know this, go back and listen to future episodes or future, go back and listen to past episodes. It will be a future episode on the emotional regulation framework. It's also on our blog page, but four steps. Teach them to categorize their emotion on a continuum of some sort. Teach the regulation, coping, calming skills, strategies, potentially create a space that they can go to, to use those skills and strategies if they can't use them in the moment, and then have a problem solving conversation to change the way that we respond and react next time. Those are the four steps. Another way is if there's something like really stressful, like something that's like a big, like a more traumatic stressor or something that's kind of ongoing, but it's recurring, give them a way to get it out. Like if it's in your body, it's in your mind, get it out, act it out, dance it out, sing it out, write it out, draw it out, whatever, just get it out. Once it's released from the system, you don't have to hold on to the tension and tightness around it anymore. One way to get out, talk about it, create a safe open space or, or lead them to someone who is a safe open space to be able to talk about it and make sure that you're building relationships with these students, strong core connected relationships and validate how they're feeling. Even if you don't agree with how they're feeling, you can validate it. And that takes us to our try at home tip, which ironically and very intentionally is to create an evening routine. Just like I discussed earlier, the intro, the outro for yourself as an individual, create an evening routine. 
because your body and your mind also likes beginning and closing activities. So do like a one, two, three routine for yourself. And I say this being someone who has struggled so much with this, oh man, I can tell I'm dysregulated or I can tell I'm stressed out when I start watching like a show at night because I'm not a show watcher, but I'll do it when I'm just, I'm like, oh, I've got nothing left. I just like, I just, I can't do anything else. Like I'm just, I just want to let my mind wander. And I know that it drains my mind because it takes a lot of like mental energy to watch that. I don't have to think a lot, but it steals the energy from my brain because it's a moving screen with colors and lights and words and things. So I try not to watch shows at night. I really don't watch shows much at all. But when I seek them, it's like a craving. And it's a craving because my body is dysregulated because I'm overly worked, overly stressed. Something is out of alignment. I fix that problem. I won't need to watch the show. I'd rather do something else, like listen to an audiobook, read a book, something at night that takes a little bit less energy from me since I'm trying to get energy back. But I create a one, two, three. So for me, it might be like I, I change it regularly, but I'm trying to find a good one that fits for me. Getting my stuff out for the next day. That's one. Then I go from there in my closet into my bathroom to brush my teeth. I go from there to my bed and I might read a book, listen to an audiobook, whatever it may be. Sometimes I'll throw a cup of tea in there somewhere, typically before I brush my teeth. (laughs) Sometimes I'll go pick out my clothes, have a cup of tea, read the book, and brush my teeth right before I fall asleep. But that helps my brain get into this pattern and get me into a routine. That is it for today's episode of Returning to Us podcast. Remember, our Try to Home tip to set up a one, two, three evening routine. And if you are looking for more support in the areas of stress, trauma, behavior, or the brain, I would love to be a part of your learning journey, the Behavior Hub which is the organization I created. There's a lot of coaching for schools or organizations and even offers online courses with university credits. If you want to learn more, behaviorhub.com, send me a message and I will happily schedule a discovery call with you. And don't forget to lock in what you learned by teaching it, by sharing it, by writing it out, by doing something to make sure that it goes into your memory system so that you don't forget it. Until the next episode, I am Lauren Spiegelmeyer, and thank you for joining me.